What does faithfulness or fidelity mean in your marriage? What does it look like? Are your boundaries strong enough to protect your marriage from an affair? Welcome to the Only You Forever podcast. If you want to build a thriving, passionate marriage, we've got the research, the truth, and the answers you've been looking for. And now, here are your hosts, Caleb and Verlinda Simone Gendel. Hey, everybody. This is episode number 41. And we are going to be talking about loyalty in our marriages and how we can strengthen ourselves against infidelity. What got us started down this road is the observation that you can be in a committed marriage and never have sex outside that marriage for like 40 years, but you're still giving members of the opposite sex a lust-filled look over. And I think that really begs the question about what loyalty and fidelity mean in a marriage. Yeah, you can you can proudly say, I am a faithful man, faithful husband, I'm faithful to my wife, but man, that doesn't stop me from enjoying the scenery. Is that really fidelity? Mm. Right? That's yeah. what we want to get at here. Yeah. All right. And what I thought for now is, you know, this goes in all sorts of different ways, different directions, mm-hmm. and look can look different, right? We're making the assumption here, and I thought we should clarify this right at the start, that the extremes are wrong. Yes. Clearly. We're not talking about adultery. We're not talking about pornography use or any act of physical intimacy or even an emotional affair with a person that you're not married to. Okay, so we're talking about fidelity. It's more in the subtler things. So what if a wife makes a comment about some famous Hollywood actor and says he's real eye candy? Now, there's no actual hope of some real infidelity happening there. Mm-hmm. But is that okay? No. Right? Or a husband is rubbernecking as he drives through town on a warm summer day and he's checking out other women. That's not okay either. Or a spouse says, why can't you look like that? Ouch. Mm-hmm. Or the joking and sort of the camaraderie kind of thing with a member of the opposite sex, maybe even in a group, but it kind of goes towards mild flirting, even though you're married. Hmm. Right? So these are the finer things. Yeah. So I kind of went back and we went into the research on this. And while some of the definitions of fidelity are are really clear, like adultery or having sex outside marriage is a clear breach of fidelity, right? Mm -hmm. The others are very much going to be defined by each couple and I came across a researcher, Blow is his last name, 2005, in an article in Journal of Marriage and Family Therapy and said, a breach of trust has more to do with the perspectives and beliefs of the individuals within the relationship than any overarching norms. So in other words, the couple creates their own standard. And again, I'm holding this up, Verlinda, on the assumption that we've already established that there are objective moral boundaries that must not be crossed. Yes. Like no sex outside of marriage. So I don't want to be seen as, as we record this as anyway promoting like open marriage or anything like that. We right. promote the biblical values of faithful marriage, but we're talking about the gray areas, the very light gray areas even. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's give, I thought it'd be good to give an example of how a couple might have, you know, differing standards on something. Okay. Mm-hmm. So a wife or husband on a business trip sits down beside an attractive, friendly member of the opposite sex on the airplane on the way home. Mm-hmm. Or the way out. doesn't matter. For one couple, the expectation might be to limit the interaction to a friendly greeting, then plug in the headphones and read a book. Mm-hmm. So like boundaries up right away. Yeah. That's what they're comfortable with. But for another couple, go ahead, have an engaging conversation. I'm probably thinking you're going to show pictures of, of your, your spouse and your children. You're going to keep it first name. There's not going to be any flirting. It's going to be friendly, but it's going to be proper. Okay. And then that spouse will go home and tell the conversation to the other spouse when they get there. So there's no secrets about it, right? So you right. see how there's there's... 
that type of behavior for one couple, that could look like risky, um, you know, moving away from the relationship type behavior. And they might okay. prefer the book and headphones method. But yeah. for another couple, well, nothing happened. What's the big deal? Okay. Okay. So that's what it means. The couple creates their own standards. Yeah. Okay. Neither of those scenarios is morally wrong. Neither of those options. Is that fair? Yeah. They didn't do anything wrong. So here's a question. Does the second scenario where there's more conversation and interaction going on, does that carry higher risk? Probably. Yeah. I think so. And so this is where couples, I think, need to have a discussion about what they consider to be reasonable and also what they can tolerate in their marriage. So there's really this kind of, I almost hate to say it out loud, but I'm trusting that with the background of what I've said already, it's going to make sense in this context. Okay. There's a subjective element to fidelity. Subjective in that there's not a fixed boundary. Each couple kind of makes their own boundary. Yeah. On the light gray areas. Yes. Okay. And again, you know, I found other research that really supports this idea as well, that couples, they, every couple sets their own norms. Okay. Outside of the wider cultural or faith-based expectations that might be imposed by their community even. Okay. Yeah. So here's the deal over, Linda. The title of this episode, Infidelity Starts Long Before the Affair. And it is a fact And this is where we got to go to the other extreme now, not extreme, but the other hand, it is a fact that there's a slippery slope from the smaller disloyal thoughts and behaviors that a person might have towards an actual affair. There's a slippery slope there. Mm -hmm. All right. So I found another piece of research, clinical psychology, science practice was the name of the journal again in 2005. And it pointed out that the decision-making process prior to extramarital involvement consists of smaller decisions and steps like deciding to chat with the person. Okay. Right. So this is where it gets tricky, right? Um, Some of the examples they gave are, uh, you know, possibly having coffee with an opposite sex coworker, Mm -hmm. choosing to spend more time with them. Conversation becomes more intimate. These are all Mm -hmm. small steps towards infidelity. Right. Okay. Okay. So So each couple needs to decide where their boundary is, like not to cross that step or not to take that step. Yeah. But what I found really helpful and useful here was I came across two sort of key signals that they identified that you can watch for in yourself mm-hmm. to know if you might be getting into risky territory. So I thought this was really, really useful. Okay. So they pointed out that decisions to engage in extramarital involvement are conscious decisions that involve, and get this part here, weighing potential costs and potential benefits. So as soon as a person might see himself or herself weighing the costs and benefits of getting closer to a member of the opposite sex. Oh, okay. The fact that they're weighing that up, that is a signal. So that should be like an alarm bell going off. That's right. Okay. Then what's the other one? The next one was they found that individuals who begin to develop feelings for a potential extramarital partner actively suppress thoughts related to that partner. Try not to think about them. Hmm. So that's a signal as well. But they noted that what happens is when you're trying to suppress these thoughts, it actually increases the intensity of them, which is problematic. But again, Verlinda, it's the signal, right? So if you're working, if you find yourself working to suppress the thoughts, you have another signal to yourself that you're going into dangerous territory. So ask yourself, am I actively suppressing thoughts of another person? Hmm. Okay. So those are two signals. And what if you are having thoughts? Or what if you are weighing these costs and benefits? I think that's that's where you need to stop and own the fact that you are facing the truth in yourself, mm-hmm. that you're having the thoughts, the behaviors, 
and ask yourself why, Verlinda. And I think this is a chance to turn back and look at our marriages and ask questions about that. Is there a way that I've become less vested in the relationship? Am I starting to think or believe that I'm not getting what I need from my marriage? And is that because I'm not investing what I should be in my marriage? Oh, yeah. Or, or, you know, am I allowing myself to buy into lies? Things like a more attractive partner will lead to better sex. Okay. Right? Whereas the truth is the intensity may increase because of the riskiness of having an affair, but not the intimacy. And it's really the intimacy that you're looking for. Okay. You know what I mean? So we can yeah, go and yeah. we can start believing these lies. And this is a chance for us to stop and really think about this. Yeah. So you're encouraging us to just look inside and kind of check for those early warnings ourselves? Or is this something we need to have a conversation about with your spouse? I guess the boundaries you need to have the conversation about. Absolutely. What your spouse is comfortable with. Absolutely. But these other ones, you just need to own it and... Yep. Deal with it. Deal with it. Okay. Okay. And then this, Verlin, is where I come back at the end of the day to the fact that, quoting another couple of researchers here, commitment is one of the most important determinants of marriage stability. Okay. Commitment. The commitment that I carry inside myself to our marriage determines the stability of the marriage. Okay. Is that... Yeah. Plain. Yeah. Yep. So how does that relate to what we're talking about here? Well, that's where I think we, we take a look at our actions and behaviors and the standards that we hold. Yeah. You know, if I'm a rubbernecking husband or a, a wife having disloyal thoughts or engaging in disloyal behaviors, that shows a lack of commitment. And again, that's where I come back to having a serious conversation with yourself about your commitment to your marriage. Okay. And the research always indicates that higher levels of commitment are associated with more love for one's spouse. So there's like this intrinsic assigning of value to commitment that leads to greater love, leads to greater marital stability. Wow. Yep. And I think that's a decision that's, that's inside our power, inside our control. And it's a decision that we make on an ongoing basis. This is not something that just kind of happened back when we got married. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But I think we always need to be coming back to this commitment and establishing that and, you know, practicing gratitude. and Right. But what I'm thinking is, what if a spouse is completely committed to their marriage, Yeah. but has a completely different boundary than their spouse? You know what I mean? They might joke or laugh with the opposite sex or have conversations and not think anything of it and not have disloyal thoughts at all, mm-hmm. but their spouse might still feel... Mm-hmm that jealousy mm-hmm. or disloyalty. Well, that's where it becomes a conversation between the two spouses, right? Yeah. You know, if, you're, if your spouse is a little bit more sort of back from where you are, you might just decide that based on your commitment to your spouse, if that's, mm-hmm. if, if that's what's needed, yeah, fine. It's no big loss to me. I'd rather have you feeling secure Yeah. and I'll just taper my behavior back slightly. It's not a problem or a threat or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'll do that because I love you. But if you have a spouse, you know, there is a possibility that they could be, have an anxiety type issue, a lot of insecurities about the relationship because of, you know, family of origin issues and just hold the whole insecure attachment thing. And then that's kind of dealing with stuff that's more like, well, that's your problem. And you don't want to come out and say it that way. Yeah. But you also need to (laughs) respect it. You need to respect it and you want to seek healing to to kind of differentiate between what your relationship really needs as, as a unit. And what you might, your spouse might need or yourself might need as an individual to feel secure and to be able to learn to trust and to respect. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. But I think, I think it would be easy for 
some people to say like, oh, well, you know what? That's your problem. Yeah. Like I'm not being no. infidelitous. Inf- infidelious? <laughs> I don't know what the word <laughs> is. <laughs> Sounds like a type of onion or something. I know it's not. It, yeah. So while, yes, it is maybe your spouse's trust issue, yep. you need to work with them and get them help and seek healing there. Yeah. And in the meantime, even if you don't think it's wrong, maybe tone it down and yeah. respect them enough and love them enough and be committed yeah. enough. That insecurity never comes out of a healthy place. Yeah. But the healing for it has to come out of a healthy place. And rubbing it in or rejecting your spouse or... That's or, not... Yeah. Yeah, that's not the right answer, right? No. And I think, Ferlinda, coming back more onto the continuum of, of healthy marriages, mm-hmm. like we, we ought not to give our spouses reason for jealousy by giving or lending our admiration to other members of the opposite sex. Yes. Yeah. And again, what that looks like versus over friendliness versus admiring and creating a possible competition type scenario or a threat type scenario, you know, the couple has to really talk about that. Yeah. And have the conversations about what they're both comfortable with. Right. And I I think the willingness to discuss those things and Mm -hmm. uphold those values together is a huge step towards fidelity. Mm -hmm. And that's going to strengthen your marriage and make it resilient against infidelity. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oif.link slash 41. And you know, we've had a lot of new listeners lately, and I think that's awesome. And the best thing you can do for us and yourself to continue this podcast is to go and rate it on iTunes and share it with others. And let's get the word out there and let's help others build thriving, passionate marriages. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the OnlyYouForever.com podcast. Please help us reach and influence a wider audience by rating and reviewing our podcast at OnlyYouForever.com slash love. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Well, that's it for today. We want to shout out... um, No, we don't. We want to shout out. You just po- pointed at me and I have no idea out. what I'm <laughs> Are we done shouting out yet? Shut out. up. <laughs> That's all for today's episode. You can get the full show notes at oyf.link slash 41. And remember, we're here to help build thriving, passionate, passionate. <laughs> <laughs> passionate. Your marriage is passionate. It's done. <laughs> okay. okay. How about you do the clothes? <laughs>